Well, this afternoon, I thought I would do something a little more fun. So this afternoon, let's talk about Lucifer. <laughs> Not the figure, necessarily, but the name. Because you've no doubt heard the names Devil, Satan, and Lucifer. And you've probably either heard or used them yourself interchangeably as, as though they are the same word referencing our dark nemesis. But these aren't really names. Satan is the Hebrew word accuser or slanderer, like, like he's the prosecution, our adversary, our accuser who takes us to court and says, look at what Jordan did. <laughs> Usually he's not wrong. And the, the word devil is the New Testament word for Satan. In Greek, the word devil is diabolos. You can even hear that. Just hear it. It's what we call transliterating. You take a word from, from the original language and you just make it fit into English. So diabolos became devil. And what we know is that it comes from a verb that originally meant to throw a cross, which eventually became something like referring to somebody who starts quarrels or slanders somebody who throws something across their, their path. In other words, the word devil is the Greek version of, of Satan. And in both instances, not really a name, but more of a description of what this figure, this being, is doing. So, for instance, a, a week or two back in our online uh, Oakland Drive Christian Church Bible study that we do on Facebook Live, we, we read Ephesians 4.26. And it says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let, your sun, let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Now, if we didn't transliterate that word diablo into devil, and we actually translated it into accuser, let's say, it would read something like this, and do not make room for the accuser, which is the point, isn't it? Don't create a situation where you could be accused of, in this instance, holding a grudge. Don't give that accuser ammunition against you. Watch out for the fact that somebody is going to accuse you before God and you're going to have to defend yourself. So you watch out for that. And, and that, in my mind, is quite a bit different than, than what we perceive often in our churches and certainly Hollywood and Arnold Schwarzenegger doing battle with the great beast in a shotgun. We see lots of ridiculous things, but literally the accuser's power here is completely on his ability to accuse you, which, dun, 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 is on you and on me not to give the enemy ammunition to accuse us with. But the word Lucifer is even more interesting because it's not a name and it's only barely a word. <laughs> Remember with me that the New Testament was originally written in Greek. But as the Greek language began to die, it was replaced by Latin. And in, 30, in 382 AD, Jerome translated the whole Bible into Latin. And this version of the Bible, that Latin version of the Bible called the Vulgate, that Latin version of the Bible was basically our Bible for a thousand years. But eventually, as you know, the Bible was translated into English, perhaps most famously in 1611, when we got the first version of the King James Bible. 
And when that book was published, one particular passage, Isaiah 14, 12, was translated like this. Now, you got to forgive me. This is Old English, so hang on. But it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? There it is. That, that's, that's it. That is where the word Lucifer comes from. This fits probably the narrative that you might have heard or, or been taught or somehow just by osmosis received this idea of Satan as a fallen angel who rebels against God, etc., etc. And in fact, that idea uh, is usually drawn from this very text. That's really the only text that we have to draw from. But what's interesting is that while Lucifer is sort of a Latin word, a word itself means light bringer or morning star. It was related originally also to the early rising of Venus. So again, if we don't translate the personal name, if we don't like transliterate from Latin, which it says Lucifer there, from Latin into English, if we actually translate the word light bringer, it would read something like this. How fallen are you from heaven, light bringer, son of the morning. And in fact, most of your modern translations, everything that's kind of come after the King James Version usually translates this in some other way. No one translates as Lucifer anymore, but that idea or that word has hung on, and people still think of it that way. So interesting. Now, the whole chapter itself is definitely referencing a, a bigger picture than just a single person, but it addresses a person. It addresses directly the king of Babylon, and it's, it's talking about the fall of Babylon as a whole, but by addressing the king itself. So the actual uh, section begins back up in verse 3. Remember our principles from the last podcast about not proof texting, about not pulling a verse out and making a, a big deal out of it without paying attention to the larger context. You have to start where the Bible starts, and it doesn't start there in verse 12. It starts way back up in verse 3. It says, When the Lord has given you rest from your pain and turmoil and the hard service with which you were made to serve, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. So in this text, Isaiah is speaking to the people and he's encouraging them. And he says that once you've been set free from the bondage, because remember, Babylon had Israel under their thumb. They had, they, they had destroyed Israel and then taken a bunch of the people away into exile. So this is a very dark period. And so coming out of that period, Isaiah says, you will take up a taunt against the king. You'll make fun of him. And part of it will be what we get to there in verse 14. So this whole text is a word from Isaiah about a future destruction of Babylon, and of course that is being personified in the fall of the king, and, and the, the joy that the people of God are having over seeing their ancient enemy uh, fall. And if you read Isaiah, you find a lot of poetic language. Isaiah is leaning on the metaphors of his day. So for him to talk about the morning star, obviously that doesn't trouble him. It's a metaphor of the day. What's uh, perhaps even more interesting, though, is that this Latin term, Lucifer, or morning star, is also used in the New Testament. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Here, the word bright morning star that they translate is the exact same word that we find there in Isaiah. 
And so if we were to translate this uh, with that influence of that Latin that Latin transliteration of that word, if we use the same rules that the King James people used to translate Isaiah 14, and we used it here, we would say, Jesus is the Lucifer, which, of course, in a literal sense, I suppose, is true. Jesus is being said here to be the one, the bright light, the star that rises in the morning. And John talks, when John opens his gospel, he mentions first that Jesus is the light of the world. And so... So in this sense, Lucifer is not a proper name or even really accurate description, let alone the question of whether or not Isaiah 14 is, is really even talking about Satan at all. Uh, that's a theological argument that I'm not having. <laughs> but I hope in some ways this at least helps correct some of the overly weird ways we think about Satan. One of the most critical things to learn here is that Satan and demons are not the focus of the Bible. They aren't even even first or even secondary level characters. They haunt the edges, absolutely. But at best, they're tertiary. So, so don't give the devil room to accuse and, and give a good chuckle the next time you hear the name Lucifer because you know that it's kind of a funny screw-up from the Middle Ages that we simply can't seem to let go of. And this is maybe the last lesson then, the power of folk religion. And by that, I mean the religion that you and I grew up with, the traditions that we were handed, that go unchallenged because we don't ever think to challenge it. We don't ever think to question the water we swim in. We assume a lot of things about God and hear about the devil. And that might be the last lesson, the power of folk religion. And by that, I mean the religion that you and I grew up with, the traditions that we were handed, these unchallenged assumptions just because we never thought to challenge them, because we assume a lot of things about God and the devil, and you're not going to research every single thing that you've ever been taught. And so that is why it's so important that we don't make our mantra, I already know what that is. But instead, we make our mantra, tell me more about that. We become more curious about the world and about scripture and about all the things that God has made and done. And in the long run, if you take that approach, I think in this instance, at least, the devil becomes far less scary, an enemy, and you and I are asserted far more control over that enemy because if we strive to give him as little ammunition as possible and for the rest we lean on the blood and grace of Jesus Christ, you and I can come out all right in the end. Peace and strong coffee.